last week um, we talked about, uh, see if I can get this thing to work, all right, we talked about the house that Jesus built, and Dee just referred to a couple aspects of that in her testimony, but the house that Jesus built, uh, the church, big C, not little C, the house that Jesus built, and that if you want to be a part of the house that Jesus built, simply answer the question, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? You see, that's what Jesus said to the disciples. Who do some say that I am, the Son of Man am? And then he said, but who do you say that I am? And he made it personal. It's a personal question. But Peter gave us the model. Peter declared that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He believed. And Peter uh, gave us the template. He, it, it, it was personal for Peter. So if you want to be a part of that church, if you want to be a part of the house that Jesus built, you need to make Jesus personal. There are no membership classes that you have to go through, no rosters that you have to sign, uh, no classes that you have to attend. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you are a part of his house. You are a part of the church that he built. You don't have to turn there. It will be on your screen. But we're going to go back to our scripture that we were at last week, Matthew chapter 16, 18. I want to dig into the other side of this. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Last week we talked about the rock and Peter and the Catholic Church and what it was and what it wasn't. So if you're curious about that, if you weren't here, you get the message from last week. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This thought has been going through my mind for several weeks now. I just want to delve into this. How many of you know what that is? Just wave your hand at me if you know what that is. Some of you know what that is. That is Alcatraz. That is Alcatraz. A maximum high security federal prison. It's on a rock in the San Francisco Bay. It uh, was opened in 1934. It closed in 1963. Considered at the time to be America's strongest prison and escape proof due to then the many high security features that it had. If anyone ever did make it down to the waters of the San Francisco Bay Area, which was virtually impossible, they were then staring at a mile-long swim to shore. Now, that might not sound too horrible for someone who is a good swimmer, but the waters of the San Francisco Bay are known to be very cold, very frigid, so hyperthermia very well may have set in by the time they even reached the shore. Um, the currents of the ocean are very strong. Uh, when I was doing some reading, some of the currents actually take you out to sea versus take you into shore. So that was very dangerous. And there are also known to be great white sharks in those waters. So if a prisoner did make it down to the water's edge, they were nowhere close to being home free. It was a prison known to house troubled inmates from around the country. If they were causing problems or if they were high security threats, they would take them to Alcatraz. You may have heard some of the uh, well-known inmates there. Al Capone served there. 
Also, Franklin Stroud, also known as the Birdman of Alcatraz. Some of you may have heard that name. And also George Machine Gun Kelly from back in the 30s. 36 prisoners attempted to escape during the 29th period that it was open. They all failed. However, in 1963, three men, Frank Morse, John and his brother Clarence Anglin, they devised an ingenious plan that took them to the water's edge. And to this day, there is a great controversy because some say that they made it. Others said there's no way. They've never been seen since. But as you can imagine, there were a ton of gates designed to allow prisoners in but not out. From the various points of entry to the 300 cells with hardened, tool-resistant steel doors, Alcatraz was not just a prison. It was one large gate, a gate that allowed many people in, but nobody out. It's got me thinking about gates. What are the purpose of gates? What, What purpose do gates serve? If you think about it, gates are barriers to keep people either from coming in or from getting out. Many of us deal with gates every day. We don't even realize that we pass many of them. I was thinking uh, uh, the Ohio State football uh, season is about ready to begin, and many stadiums have this. But if you were to go right now up to the stadium, you could not get in and just walk around freely. They have gates all around the stadium. Million-dollar homes and estates have gates all around them. European castles, our cemeteries have gates around them as well. Pastor Kevin took the youth yesterday to the zoo, and the zoo has just a few gates around it as well, don't they? That purpose is to keep what's inside from getting back out. But the main purpose is to control who goes in and who goes out. Regarding the church, Jesus was going to build. Jesus himself said, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you were to think about this for a few minutes, you should get excited. That should start to get you excited inside. Have you ever thought about the gates of hell? Actually, the correct word, the Greek translation for hell is Hades. Is Hades. Many of your versions would probably say, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Hades is that place where an unrepentant soul will go uh, whenever they die. It is a place of death. It is a place of torment, as the Bible tells us. We know that from Matthew 16:18, our verse today, that Hades has gates. And when people without the Lord die, they pass through those gates and they never get back out. We know that Hades is the place that when someone dies, they're there forever. We know this to be true if we look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We all know that story. The rich man representing an evil lifestyle, a godless lifestyle. Lazarus was a righteous man. In this life, the rich man never did anything to help the beggar, Lazarus, and they both died, and one was ushered into Hades. The rich man was ushered into Hades, where it says that he was in torment 
Actually, my Bible says that he was in torments, plural, many torments. And it says that there, a great distance away, he saw Father Abraham. And in the bosom of Father Abraham was Lazarus. You know the story? The rich man begged Abraham, I'd allow Lazarus to come and just dip his finger in some water so they can cool my tongue, for I am in agony here. What I find is interesting is verse 26. Abraham, through Jesus' words, said this. Let me start with verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember in your lifetime that you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Verse 26. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed. Between us, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those who pass from there to us. You see, the rich man was trapped. He could not get out. You see, once a soul goes past those gates of Hades, they do not come back. Contrary to what our Catholic friends believe, there is no place called purgatory. Purgatory is a, is a man-made doctrine. Um, it's a place where, quote, under the earth. It's a place where a soul goes that is under the earth. It's next to hell. It's here that righteous people go and they suffer a temporary punishment. There is fire in purgatory, but the fire is supposed to cleanse the soul. It's supposed to prepare the soul for their eternal home. However, this doctrine also teaches that if the remaining family members are faithful to Mass, if they're faithful in keeping the sacraments, if they offer up enough prayers on behalf of their loved one that has passed away, and listen to this, if they offer enough money to the church and to the priest, there's just a chance, just a chance that their prayers and all their efforts can help reduce one's agony in Hades, maybe even freeing them from purgatory altogether. That is what is being taught to millions and millions of people. But as I said before, there is absolutely no biblical proof for this false doctrine, church. None at all. Once a soul without Christ slips into eternity, there is not enough prayers that can be offered up, not enough good works, not enough good deeds. You can't take enough sacraments. Your family members cannot do enough good things. They cannot pay enough money to the church or to the priest. There is not enough that can be done to get anyone out of Hades. There is no get-out-of-Hades-free card to be purchased. And I tell you, there has never been a soul that has crossed the threshold of eternity, passed by those infernal gates of Hades, felt its death grip, felt the shackles of eternal damnation locked onto their soul. No one has gone into that region and has come back. No one, not one person. Do you hear me? 
Not one person has gone past those gates of Hades and has come back. No one. Just one. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was the one. He was the one. Our risen Lord and Savior. What did Jesus do? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't go to the cross only and just pay for the penalty of our sins, but he did nothing with death, hell, and the grave? Aren't you glad of that? We have, a, we have a future. We have a hope because of what Jesus did. He went to defeat death, hell, and the grave. In Acts chapter 2, referring to Jesus, it says this, Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see decay. These are verses referring to Jesus when he died. And that he indeed did go into some regions of Hades. He did indeed take care of death and hell. But unlike everyone who had gone before him, Acts tells us that Jesus never experienced corruption. His body, his physical body, never experienced a decay. Like this. When Jesus went into that infernal region, it tells us this. He said, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. Sometimes, whenever I'm preparing for messages... I have it in my mind how I can just perceive things going. And this is one of those times. So I want you to just go there with me. I have someone here that's going to help illustrate a point for me. Now, just perhaps, just perhaps. Now, go there with me. Jesus died on the cross. And we're told that he went to the place where death was. He went that day. Jesus passed those gates of Hades, okay? He passed the gates of Hades. And then he just didn't pass them. He went into the internal regions. He went to the very center of Hades. He went where death and hell lives. And as my mind is thinking through this, I'm thinking he passed the gates. And then he probably walked right up to Satan. And you know what I think he said? Perhaps what he said is what he said just not long ago. He looked at Satan. He stepped down. He looked at Satan. He said, it is finished. It is done. You're through. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. He looked at him and he said, it is finished. You're through. I'm in charge now. There's a new man in charge. There's a new sheriff in town. Then I think he may have done this. Then he looked at Satan and he said, hand him over. Hand him over. And, and Satan, very well, he, he, he could have said, I don't know what you're talking about. Hand what over? What do you mean? I, and Jesus said, hand him over. Just hand him over. Hand them over now, Satan. The next thing that we know. <laughs> he got it. He got it. Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades 
and death. Somebody give glory to God this morning. I have them. Now, I just, I just believe perhaps maybe it happened like this. Then Satan ran he took off and he knew that he was done. But Jesus was still there. He had to come back, right? He had to come back on this earth. He turned around and as he turned around, he walked past those gates. Those gates, I think, may have been closed, okay? They were trying to keep him in because those gates don't let anybody out. But Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, I have the gate, I have the keys. Open those things. Open those gates. And perhaps, just perhaps, Jesus said the words that we would one day hear. He said the words that had not yet been given to the Apostle Paul. But Jesus said this in the first person. As he was walking out of Hades, as he walked past the gates of Hades, perhaps he said this, So when this corruptible put on incorruption, and this mortal put on immortality, I am now bringing to pass a saying, and it will forever be written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? For the sting of death was sin, and the strength of sin was the law. But all who will now give thanks to the Son of God, who has given eternal victory to mankind. Praise God. Church, that day, Jesus laid siege. He took the battle to the gates of Hades. Now, we could stop, we could end, and we've had church. God has been here, has been present, and we could go on, and what a glorious truth that we take with us. But I've got to tell you, there's more. There's more. Let me put these down here as a visual. <laughs> there's more. And this is the thought that was gripping me over the last couple of weeks. He told Peter, he went back to Peter, and he said, those same gates that I walked through, the same gates that I paid the price to get the keys for, those same gates will not prevail against my church. Church, do you realize the implications that has for us? Do you realize the benefits that has for us, His people, the church? You know, if you look at a gate... It's kind of like a defensive posture, is it not? The gate is not doing any attacking. It's not doing any advancing. The gate is just there. It's, it's a defensive posture, right? Hades has that. It's a defensive posture. It's meant to keep people from, from attacking them or coming against them. Of course, we know it's, it's meant to keep people out. But who do you think it's meant to keep from attacking them? Us, the church. The church of the living God. The army of the Lord. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's talking about his church. It's more of a defensive mechanism. Because Jesus laid siege and conquered death in Hades, I believe, I believe that we too, as the victorious 
conquering army of the Lord God Almighty, I believe we too can lay siege to the gates of Hades. I believe we can do that. Some of you may know, I've heard a message like this before. Some of you may be thinking, what's he trying to say here? Follow me here. If you are a part of the church, big C, you are in the army of the Lord. Amen? You are in the army of the Lord. You are a soldier in the army of the Lord. Armies advance. Armies conquer. Armies lay siege to gates and overtake them. But let me tell you, this is, this is not a typical battle here. Ephesians 6.12 tells us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Know right away that this is not a battle of flesh and blood, folks. This is a matter of our hearts. It's a, it's a battle of our souls. Isaiah 54.17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, the church. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now look, the church will be victorious if and only if we are faithful and obedient to our commanding officer. If and only if. If we are faithful and obedient to our captain. Here's another verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We can be victorious over any satanic, any evil force, any stronghold, anything or anyone that opposes the will of God when we tap into God's power. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I again say to you that if, you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I like the first half of that verse. I've thought a lot about this verse. I've been praying a lot about this verse. From what I can determine, there are, it's a spiritual realm. It's a spiritual realm within the earth and with heaven. And if there are things that are taking place within the spiritual realm that are not of God's will, satanic forces, we have the ability. Let's look at this. Well, it's not in here. We have the ability. I'll read that in a second. To come against those forces. To come against those things that are not of God's will. Not in God's word. It says that we can, in the name of Jesus Christ, we can bind it on earth and it will be bound in heaven. That's a spiritual battle there. We are the ones that do that. We have to take the battle to Hades. We have to be the ones to do this work in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever we want loosed, those righteous things, those things that are of the Spirit, those things that we want loosed, we can pray that they'll be loosed on earth so they'll be loosed in heaven so that the spiritual realm would be what God wants it to be. I don't have this on the screen. I like this one. Go to, I want you to see this. Romans 8, chapter 11. Romans 8, chapter 11. Hang in there. I'm not going to be with you for a week, so I'm getting nothing to have it now. All right? Romans 8. Really, it's the first half of this. Romans 8. 
11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you catch that first line? But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. I don't think everybody caught that. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. We have access to the same spirit that brought Jesus from the dead. You start to understand now that we can be, we can be a church, an army that takes the siege, that takes the battle to the gates of Hades. Listen, do you think that Jesus intended for his church to be a cowering, wimpy, weak-kneed, defenseless, jelly-bellied army? That's not who we are supposed to be, Lord. You're right. No. Jesus intended for us to be mighty soldiers in the army of the Lord. Listen, we're in a battle. Yes, I'm going on vacation, and we all need that time, but we're in a battle. The Lord has not taken us home. Our time of final rest has not come yet. For those in our, in our family and our loved ones, yes, they're at rest, but not for us. We're still here. We have work to do. As long as he gives us life, as long as he gives us breath, we are in the army. We have work to do. And I even believe that he wants us to attack and storm the gates of Hades. Now, I do not believe, I'm not trying to say that we can go into those regions and pull back souls from the dead and reclaim their souls. I'm not saying that we can't do that. But what it does mean is that the church... The big C, but the big C is made up each, of each and every one of you that have accepted Christ as your Savior. The big C is made up of, of individual souls. We don't have to take a defensive posture in this life. We don't have to coil back against the ways of the enemy. We can lay siege to Satan's kingdom because, because of what Jesus did. We too can take the battle to Satan and win. What kind of battles am I talking about? Anything in this life that is keeping you or that is keeping others from experiencing victory in Jesus Christ. Now that's a wide range of things. We can bombard the gates of Hades by the blood of Jesus Christ for our lost loved ones. For our wayward children. For spirits. Some of you might be, might be battling spirits of depression, spirits of oppression. Some of you may be battling worry and fear and doubt, anxiety. Some of you may be having battles of the mind. There's battles in our homes. Satan is raging against our husbands and our wives. He's raging against the home and our kids. Battle is raging in our country and in our government. Yes, and sometimes I believe our physical ailments are battlefields that can be conquered. Jesus just said, And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Against who? Us, church of the living God. The church was meant to take the world by storm. 
And I'm telling you that Satan in the gates of Hades take a defensive posture when we, the church, come together in unity in the name of Jesus Christ. Tell me what, if, if Satan in, in, in his region, in the, Haiti, in the Hades region, if, if he encounters a church that pleads the blood of Jesus Christ and is desperate, what can he do? He's got nothing. But what he does, he tries to stir us up, though, inside the church. He tries just to, to, to get us all worried about things taking place within the church, and so-and-so did this, and so-and-so did that, and so-and-so said this. Well, I don't like the way so-and-so looked at me, and blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, we've forgotten that we're supposed to take the battle to the enemy. We're messing with ourselves inside. If he can just get us preoccupied, if he can just, don't, don't let them pray. Don't let them pray. Don't let them get into their word. Don't let them do that. Just, just do whatever it takes to keep them from doing those things because that is the only thing that can defeat us is those things. Just talked about it. Just talked about the word. What are our weapons? What are our weapons, the word? Prayer, persistence, faith. You combine those things. You combine those things. Listen, in prayer, the church never stands so tall as when she gets on her knees. The church is never so tall as when she gets on her knees. And on that point, there's just more confirmation coming this morning. Um, I've already told some of you, uh, I just can't get away from this prayer effort. Um, Wednesday nights, all the way through September, we're coming back here for prayer. And, and it's not going to be just a time to where we open with a song or two and then we talk about our prayer requests for 30 minutes and then we pray for 10. It's not going to be like that, okay? We're going to have an atmosphere of praise and worship. It's going to be an atmosphere filled with prayer. It's going to be an atmosphere to where we take the, the, the battle to the enemy. We take the battle to the gates of Hades. We're working on what we're going to do with our kids and, and just hang in there with that. But um, then I just got a, a notification in the mail, I believe it's Sherwood, uh, Sherwood Church or whatever it is, uh, that put out Courageous and put out, um, um, what is it? Yeah, Fireproof and things like that. It's a movie called War Room. Guess what it's about? Prayer. And there is a Bible study. So I'm pretty sure we're going to go into that after we do prayer in September. We're going to go right into a study about prayer in October. Unless God changes my mind. or wants It's about prayer, church. It's about prayer. Persistence. All of it clothed in faith. And I'm telling you that Satan and hell, they don't want you to see this, but if we can just get a picture, Satan and the gates of hell, they tremble When we get on our knees as individuals and as a church. We get on our knees for the souls and the needs of mankind. and We don't stop. Listen, I believe for far too long the church has been one that's been in the defensive posture. We've allowed prayer and God and the Ten Commandments to be removed from our schools. That which was immoral, we have made moral. And we legalized abortion. 
what God says is abnormal, our nation now calls normal, and we've legalized homosexuality. The church has become weak when it prefers the pleasures and the recreations of the world over service in the army of the Lord. We are soldiers. You are a soldier. Sometimes we need to be reminded of these things. I want to read you something that pertains to being a soldier. I'm a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I'm a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I am there. I am a soldier. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier in the army of the Lord. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I am not a wimp, but I am a soldier. I am in my place saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, or candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. And if I end up with nothing, I still come out ahead. Amen? I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all of my needs. When my king tells me to advance against, against the gates of hell, I obey. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. I like this part. The devil cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. And sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. For I am a soldier in the army of the Lord. Even death cannot destroy me, for when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him forever. For you see, I am a soldier in the army of the Lord. I am marching and I am claiming victory. I will not give up or turn around. I am a soldier marching heavenbound. How many of you are tired with battling with the enemy? Many of you are. Whatever you're facing, it might be robbing you of your joy. And again, look, I'm, I'm not advocating, you know me. If you know me, you know that I'm not advocating a name-it-claim-it doctrine. I don't believe that we can just throw everything that we want God to do and just immediately and just believe that it's going to happen. That's... There, there's the issue of God's will, and I understand all of that, but I'm not advocating that. But I am saying to you 
that you don't have to stand back and let Satan wear you out. You don't. You have a choice. You don't have to be his punching bag. We are a member in the house that Jesus built. We are a part of the mighty church of God. Starting this morning, maybe some of you need to start taking authority over the enemy in your life. Maybe you've allowed him to beat you down enough to where you've had enough. You don't have to take that. Maybe you've been fighting those feelings of oppression or depression or whatever it might be. Start laying siege to the gates of Hades. You can do it. Get in the Word. Pray. Bump up your prayer life. Continue to be persistent. Never give up. Never give in. And believe that God has the best yet ahead for you. Get into His Word. Be a spirit. Be like a spiritual gnat to the enemy. I'm not just talking, okay, well, that's just not coming to Sunday school or coming to church or doing those things. No. Be a spiritual gnat. Do those things that, that he can't, he can't just get that person out of you. Our, 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 our friend, evangelist Rick Webb, said, I want to be on Satan's top ten most wanted list. I don't know if I'm on that list, but I want to be getting to that list. Pray for each other. Pray for each other because if you start doing this and as we as a church continue to find ways to pray more and to do things more against the, uh, the gates of Hades, you know what's going to happen. He's going to bump up the attacks. He's going to do things to get at us. He's going to do things. To, he might get us to like bicker some more. Just no, we, We've got to be covered in the Holy Spirit. We've got to be sold out and sanctified and consecrated and saying it doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's about him. By faith in Jesus Christ, we can declare to Satan that his days are numbered. And if he says back to you, no, your days are numbered on this earth, all we have to say back to him is my days on this earth, Satan may be numbered, but I don't care so much about my days here because I've got a home in heaven awaiting for me where the days that I have will never be numbered. house that Jesus built. Would you bow your head? Hmm. I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to end this a little bit different this morning. Keeping your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Is there anyone here that would be willing to just raise your, raise your hand and, and just say, I needed that. Satan has been, there's hands going up all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. Your hands can go down. Thank you. You're tired of the enemy defeating you. For far too long that you've probably not been in your word the way you should. You've not been on your knees the way you should be. And you've allowed him to make you his punching bag. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us as a church. That starting today, you will begin to lay siege to the gates of Hades. 
Listen, it's not in of your own power. It's not by your own strength, but by my power, saith the Lord. You have to die to yourself. You have to tap into Jesus Christ. You have to be what he wants you to be. You have to do the things that he wants you to do. But because Jesus went past the gates of Hades, he defeated Satan in his own territory, in his own home stadium, he took the battle to him, and he walked away victorious with the keys of death and hell and the grave. Because he did that, that's why he said, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. We have power in the name of Jesus. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. God, I thank you that we hear these things and Sometimes they just go in one ear and out the other. God, I pray that as they go in one ear, they would stop. They would stay lodged there. They would go from the ear down into the heart, and they would make a difference in some people's lives this morning. God, those that have raised their hands all over the sanctuary this morning, Father, they need to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. They need to be mighty in the army of the Lord. God, help them this day, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, to stop stop giving any more ground to, to the enemy. No more. They are mighty. They are victorious. They are conquerors. Yes, we may face some battles on this earth. We may lose a couple battles here. But Lord, ultimately, if we stick with you, we win the war. God, I pray that they would uh, tap into your resources, tap into your spirit and your strength, or whatever that battle is in their life. I pray that they would give it to you. I pray that they would allow you to fight that battle for them, Lord. That if they're doing anything that's getting in the way, if they're doing anything that's, that's messing it up, if, if they're worrying too much, if they're too anxious about it, if they're taking steps, or if they're taking matters into their own hands, God, may they get in tune with you and ask you, what is it that you want them to do? Maybe you just want them to stand still, back off and stand still and watch you work. Or maybe it's, maybe it's some specific action that you want them to take. Or God, maybe you just want them to build the reserves. Maybe you just want them to get strong in the Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, may they make those decisions today, wherever they're at. Thank you, God. Thank you for giving us the victory. Thank you for defeating death, hell, and the grave. Thank you that the sting is taken away, God, because we know that we have a home in heaven. We love you. Jesus' name. Amen.